Well, guys, you have found us in the uh, fourth of a seven-part series called Blind Spots. And uh, I'm enjoying this time with you so far. I hope you are too. And if you're listening later online, uh, we're glad to have you listening uh, there as well, wherever you find yourself now. Uh, This series so far is really based on this idea that there are some assumptions about our world uh, and about our life that we make uh, that impact our daily decisions. And as I've said from the beginning, that if a lifetime is made up of days, that what you do today, therefore, matters. And even more importantly, the assumptions underneath the decisions that drive your world today matter, right? Seven dangerous assumptions behind our daily decisions is this blind spot series. Now, we also talked about with blind spots that at the beginning, really, that we don't really think we have blind spots, right? Because if we knew what they were, they wouldn't be blind spots, right? We just kind of think we're right. We're right about how we see people, and we're right about how we go to work, and we're kind of right about how we see money, and we're right about how we see our faith, and we're kind of right about how we use our influence and our, and our time and all that. We're just, just kind of the way we, we do it. Now, but we also notice, we've had fun as we began each of these messages, and I hope you've had some fun if you've been here each of these times. We have also noticed that there's something in our brains that moves from, as we're moving from information on point A toward point B, where, where there's sometimes, if there's some confusing information in here, as we're trying to think, what should I go to point A and B, and we're kind of trying to move over here, and there's some stuff in in the middle that's kind of confusing. We can gloss over um, some important data, some important information, and make some assumptions about what point B should be. And we've done this in a variety of ways. But today, we're going to have some more fun with this, okay? We've done math problems before. I've done riddles last week. Today, we want to look at this. Now, if you're listening online later, you're going to need to imagine three rows of three dots apiece, one stacked on top of the other, okay? So here's what we're going to do this morning. I would like you, if you have a a paper or a pen, or if you want to pull out your your tablet or your iPhone or your, I think some people don't have iPhones, but anyway, you want to pick out something, you can recreate these dots, or if you can do it in your brain, that's fine, but here's how it's going to work. What I'd like you to do is connect all of these dots using four straight lines, okay? This is simple, right? Connect all of these dots using four straight lines. Two more rules that you should know about. Number one, You do not lift your pen or do not lift your finger or your pencil or your neighbor's marker, whatever you do. Don't lift the thing you're using, okay? And rule number three, pass through each dot only once. Got it? Connect all of these dots using four straight lines without lifting your pen and passing through each dot only once. I am going to give you some time to accomplish this. We good? Stunned looks of, of... I don't know what that means, but we're going to do it. Are you ready? Here we go. Do we have volume? We're going to come back to volume. We're not coming to volume. We have volume? You have volume. Carry on without the volume. Give you about 20 seconds to accomplish this, okay? Connect all the dots. Do not lift your pen. Pass through each dot only once. Having fun? 
know, the people who got it are having fun. You're like, what's wrong with the rest of the people in here haven't gotten it? Yeah, put that hand down. I see that hand. You ready to try it? All right, here's the deal. Let's look up here and work on this together now. Some of you have accomplished this and others have not, but here's, here's what you want to do, right? You know that somewhere along the line, we're going to have to go with diagonal line, and we do. Let's start at the beginning with a diagonal line. You can take it diagonally whichever way you want. I take a diagonal line this way. Now, my next line, keeping my pen down, is I go this direction, right? Okay, now what you do next, what you do next is going to determine whether you get this or not. Okay, because some of you were here, and then you went up, and then you were stuck. And then you tried to do it the other way, and you went over, and you were stuck, and you thought, maybe I'll go zigzag, and then you were stuck. Here's where you get stuck, and here's the most important move on this whole thing. You keep your pen down and go here. Mm. That all of a sudden opens up a whole new world of possibility, doesn't it? Because this allows you to then go over here, right? And once you've already gone out of bounds one time, then you can go out of bounds the second time on that line, and then you just come down and you finish the problem, right? Now, how hard was that? So what did your assumption tell you? You've got to stay in bounds, right? But was that part of my rules? No, but there's something in our brains, right? Some blind spots, some assumptions we make about solving the problems that we face we say, I've, I've got to stay, I've got to stay in bounds. I, I never said that. In fact, there wasn't even a line drawn. These were just dots and something in your brain connected and you said, I've got to stay within the box. And here's what we've seen with the blind spots. That there, are, there are sections of our life that if we were able to just kind of keep going a little bit further, all of a sudden a whole new world would open up. And we've talked about three blind spots already. The first one is related to life and death. And we saw that it's really strange how Solomon writes about this in Ecclesiastes. He says, the day of death is better than the day of birth. The day of death is better than the day of birth. So inverted from what we're used to seeing. Meaning that if you look at the end of life, it helps you make sense of the beginning and middle. And then second week, we looked at this whole idea of money. And again, we looked at Solomon and what he wrote in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. And again, the concept that we don't want to wear ourselves out to get rich. And, and Solomon writes again, whoever loves money never has money enough. We have this blind spot where we think, I'm just kind of one step away from being satisfied. If only I could make just a, a little bit more. If only I could th get to that threshold, then I'd be satisfied. We talked about that as a myth, as an illusion, as a blind spot. Last week, we looked at time and the issue of time and how we spend it and how we use it. And we talked about the language we use often that says, I don't have time or I'm too busy. We tried to drive home the point that small deposits of time over time make all the difference. Small deposits of time over time make all the difference. Now, this week, we're going to talk about a blind spot related to something else. A blind spot related to our influence, related to influence. And that is, to what degree, to what measure are you and I influencing the people and organizations around us? Here's my base uh, beginning point. I believe that because we are made, I believe, number one, that we are made by a God who is a personal God who knows what he's doing. Therefore, he does not make people just to take up space. I believe that you were not created just to create a certain mass density in the universe and live out your days and that's it. 
I believe that there is some intentionality and purpose and focus for why you are made. Because I believe you're made in an image of an intentional creator God. Therefore, you are made, I believe, to influence. Okay? You're made to influence. The question is, to what degree do we influence and how do we do it? And here's one of the blind spots I believe we have related to the influence that we have around us. We believe, we tend to believe that someone else is better positioned to have greater influence than me. We don't say it this way, but we tend to believe that there are other people who are better positioned to have greater influence than I am. What we do say is this phrase right here. You ever said this phrase? Somebody should do something about that. You ever say that? Somebody should do something about that. Right? You ever been there? Somebody, somebody should do something about that. Healthcare website. <laughs> somebody, right, should do something about that. A couple weeks ago was the government shutdown, right? Somebody, somebody should do something about that. And then we keep going. At the massive level, you think of right, world poverty, you think of the AIDS epidemic, you think of the big picture level. Yes, somebody should do something about that. But... It's also true at a small level, at a local level, right? You ever been driving along and on your, uh, your own back roads and, and all of a sudden, or, or, or you know, you're going to visit family and you're driving on a back road and it is just a nasty road, there's potholes everywhere, and you've said, somebody, sh- somebody should do something about these roads as you keep driving along, and you don't, you don't do anything about it, but somebody, right, should do something about that. You ever drive home from your in-law's house after a, an event? Somebody should do something about that. <laughs> you ever have that conversation? Man, somebody, somebody should do something about that. And you know that there's stuff in your family that's just never been dealt with, and that's the way mom and dad are, and they're always going to be that way, and my sister and my brother and my uncle, my uncle, oh my word, my uncle, and, and somebody, like, wouldn't it be nice if somebody were to do something about that that I just experienced, right? You may or may not use those words, but isn't it true that we get in that position sometimes where we believe that somebody should do something about that. And it can also get to be more serious, right? I mean, it can get to be where you're at work and you're seeing your coworkers, and you're like, man, my, my boss is just not treating him well. And he's, he's constantly kind of picking on, on her. And somebody should do something about that. But I, I'm just an hourly employee. I, but somebody should do something about that. And I, and I see that my, my friends at school, they don't have the resources that I have, but I don't know how to do something about that, but somebody should do something about that, right? And I, and I know that our, our poverty level is, is, is where it's at in Peckley Valley, near the 50% mark. But somebody, right, should do something. Somebody should do something about that. Somebody should. And we tend to think, we tend to think, if you're younger, here's what you think. When I'm older, people who are older than me can do this. And when you're older, you tend to think, oh, the younger people should do something about that. We tend to think that there's a, there's a sweet spot of influence that you will grow into and that you grow out of. If you're younger, you tend to think, yeah, I'm just not old enough yet to do this. And if you're older, you tend to think, I've already ha- had my say and let the younger people do it, right? And then, so who in the world does it? Like somebody should do something about that. Somebody should do something about that. 
my hope for you this morning is that you can get a grasp on, you can hold on to this, this idea this morning. That somehow God has made you very intentionally, very purposefully, very purposefully. And some of you, I believe, are hiding behind this idea that I am not mm, whatever yet. I'm not strong enough yet, smart enough yet, big enough yet, whatever yet, to make a difference here now. But somebody should. I mean, if they will, I'll come behind them. But somebody should. And I'm telling you that some of you here this morning need to start doing things that you know that you've kind of been pushing off and waiting on. And my hope is this morning that you can see, maybe again for the first time, there's a blind spot. There's a blind spot where I say, somebody, somebody else should do something about that. Now, there is a reality that um, there are some big things that we can do nothing about. I am not going to solve the government website um, healthcare problem. I'm really not. And you know that. You're not either. Okay? So truly, somebody should do something about that. Okay? And that, that's happening. Maybe. Okay? But there are. But there are smaller things. Local things. Personal to me. That can be done. I'm telling you, and you know this, no one else is going to parent my kids like me. Right? No one else is going to work on my marriage like I can. No one else is going to have the influence in my organization the way I do, the way you do, the way we do. No one else is going to have that influence. No one else is going to be in your neighborhood the way you do. No one else is going to do the things that God has put on your heart the way you will, the way I will. There are some things that we can do. And here's the important thing, why this is so important. Here's what I believe. This is why, in my mind, this is such an important deal. Because when we, every time, that we step back because we think someone else should step up. We take a step closer to relevancy. That every time that we step back when we should step up, we think someone else is going to step up, then we take a closer step to irrelevancy. Whenever we make the excuse, someone should do something about that. My, my kids are a little wacko. They're just not listening to mom the way they should. Boy, somebody should do something about that. And here's what happens. In your, in your work, and you know this, when you don't say what you know you should say, when you don't do what you know you should do, your voice gets lost, your influence gets lost. As a dad, as a husband, when you don't lead your kids, serve your kids, and be an influence in your kids' lives the way that you should when they're younger, right? they're not going to listen to you when they're older. Right? You take a step closer to irrelevancy every time you think, oh, my wife will get that, or my husband will get that. As a mom, as a wife, same thing is true, right? Every time that we see something within our kids and we think, oh, I can't speak to my son. I don't know what it's like to be a guy. I'll let my husband deal with that. Every time we take a step back because we think someone else will step up, our voice of influence gets further and further away. We, we become irrelevant. We become irrelevant. We lose our voice. And this is why it's so important. Because you were designed, I believe, you were designed as a creative, intentional, purposeful person by God of the universe who is himself creative, intentional, and purposeful. But there's reasons we don't do this. Two big ones. Number one, we think someone else is in a better position to do this. Someone else is smarter, better, wiser, stronger, whatever. And let me tell you, you're probably right. Let me tell you, you're probably right. That may sound odd. You are probably right that there is someone who is smarter than you. Someone who is stronger than you. Someone who is more savvy than you. You may be right, but let me tell you this. They're not here and you are. Right? 
There's always somebody smarter. There's always somebody better. There's always somebody bigger, stronger, faster, whatever. There's always, always, always somebody who could do everything better. There always is. But you know what? They're not here. You are. And here's why we want to kind of punt on some things that we should do. Because the second problem is, not only do we think others are better, number two, we expect perfection. We think that whatever we, however we try to influence, we should not. We are not allowed to make mistakes. We think perfection instead of progress. We tend to think, hmm, we just can't blow it. This morning, God speaks through the Apostle Paul. And he says to a young man named Timothy some really profound insights that I think will help us as we look at this whole issue of how we are influenced. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4 is where we're going to land this morning as we get into what in the world does this guy Paul have to say to his young protege, Timothy. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible with you, not a problem. There's one in the pew near you. Um, And by the way, if you don't own a Bible, that is our gift to you this morning. You can have that and take that with you. But the book of 1 Timothy, and and feel free to use your table of contents for this. When you first open up the Bible, you'll see that uh, right in the first couple of pages. But 1 Timothy is in the second half of the Bible, really the second third in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the, the, uh, the Gospels that begin, and then uh, we continue on through to the book of 1 Timothy. It's a small little book, 1 Timothy, and then 2 Timothy, and then we get into 1 and 2 Thessalonians, but we'll get into 1 Timothy chapter 4, okay? By way of background, uh, Paul is writing, and this guy Paul, uh, you should know, uh, Paul has uh, uh, a lot of experience, a lot of history, and a lot of savvy at this point in his life. Um, he has taken the gospel all throughout, um, the, almost throughout the whole known world at the time. And so people are looking at Paul and they're like, this guy knows what he's talking about. He's on the back end of his life. He's writing to a church in Ephesus that he spent over three years with developing relationships with. And so he's writing to this well-established group. And what he's done is he's taken Timothy, little Timothy has kind of followed Paul around with him, but he's much younger. At this point, he's about in his 30s, early 30s. And he's taken Timothy and he said, Timothy, I want you to hang out with the people in Ephesus. I want you to stay there with them. And I'm going I'm to ask you, Timothy, to do some things there that I would do if I were there. But I want you to do them. Timothy is not from Ephesus. He's not from around here. He's young. He's inexperienced. And Paul asks him to influence the people in Ephesus in really quite a profound way. So check it out in 1 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 11. He says, command and teach these things. Command and teach these things. Well, that's a great beginning. Thanks for that, Paul. How about start a survey uh, and find out what the people want? How about starting that way? But rather, instead of that, Paul says to him, Timothy, there is false teaching going on right now. There's a, there's a whole climate right now where there's ideas that people are getting that are wrong, okay? Kids are getting taught the wrong way. They're getting taught things that are very unhelpful and unhealthy. Parents are kind of being led this way and led that way. And Timothy, you need to take control of the situation. You need to, strength of words, command and teach these things. And I can just imagine Timothy getting this and He's like, hey, but Paul, listen, Paul, there are elders in the church here. Did you know that? Do you remember, Paul, like you helped appoint elders in the church? Like, why don't you have one of them do it? Like, they're older, and you know, they're like from around here. They're probably better than me. They're probably, 
I don't know, smarter than me. And they probably, I don't know, have the respect of the people that I don't have, you know? I mean, you want me, a young guy who's not even an elder in the church here, to command authority and teach, expecting life change, people who I am not one of them and I kind of just got here? Command and teach these things, Timothy. You hear Timothy's objections. And so Paul knows these objections are coming and look at verse 12. And he says, and this is a verse I've memorized since I've been very little, and if you have not, this may be a good one for you too as well. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are what? Because you're you're murmuring. That's right. Because you're murmuring, don't let anyone look down on you. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are what? Young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Don't let anyone look down on you. That language, don't let anyone look down, is the language of despise. Don't let anyone despise you and say, you are, you are too young to do this. You don't have the reputation yet. You can't create an organization to deal with issues around here or even world. You can't do that. You're too young. In other words, there's other people who would be better than you. And this is the natural tendency of of people who are not influencers is to sit there and criticize people who move. You guys know about the law of leadership, the law of the whale in leadership? Have you heard of that one? The law of the whale in leadership is that every time you rise to the surface and blow, you'll be harpooned. Okay? Every time you rise to the surface and blow, you'll be harpooned. And this is the idea. So he's like, hey, Timothy, come on, rise to the surface, command and teach these things. And Timothy's like, yeah, but if I go above the surface, people will see me and they'll criticize me. And people may not like me and there's other people who are better. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example. And the antidote, the set an example is, in other words, let your character, let your speech, let your life, which covers everything, but let your speech, let your life, let your love for people, let your faith in a God who is bigger than anything you see guide you. Let your purity, your integrity convince the people of your truthfulness in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Set an example You'll be criticized. Yeah. You'll be criticized. Because people who are not influencers like to criticize people who are. You know why? Because they make, you make them feel guilty. Like, I should have done that a while ago. I should have done that when I was younger. I should have, but I didn't. And you're kind of reminding me that I didn't do the things I should do. So I'm going to kind of criticize you for not doing it the right way. Paul's like, don't, no, no, no. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. And I believe, I believe that this commendation in verse 12 fits almost anything. Not just the youth. Youth was Timothy's issue. I believe you could take verse 12 and say, don't let anyone look down on you because you are, and you could pull out the word young and put in almost any other word. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are old. I believe you could put in here. Paul is writing to Timothy's context on that issue, but the principle, I believe, is true. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are whatever. You didn't graduate from this. You never finished that. The business failed because mm, your marriage isn't quite what you think it should be. Mm, you know, you're not dating anybody right now. You've dated too many people right now. You went to the wrong school. You went to the right school. Whatever it is, don't let anyone down on you because you are whatever. But 
set an example in what you say in your life and how you love and your faith and your purity. And then he goes on. He goes on to say to Timothy in particular in verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to preaching and teaching in verse 14. Don't neglect your gift which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. And then he gives verse 15. Verse 15 to me is so helpful, so, so helpful. He says, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see you are perfect. Isn't that an awesome way to end that? So that everyone may see that you don't make mistakes. So that everyone can see that you are a great leader. Right? I mean, isn't that what your Bible reads? So that everyone can see your, what what does it say? Your progress. Isn't that an interesting word? So that everyone can see your progress. In other words, Timothy, here's what I expect. Your plan A probably will not work. But I don't care. Do plan A anyway. And as that fails... And as you progress and grow and make a mistake and blow it the first time, that everyone will see that you are growing and that you are progressing. In other words, the first reason we don't like to influence or lead is because we think that we are too, whatever, too young, too old, not smart enough, not whatever enough. Paul's already said, don't let anyone look down on you because of these reasons, but set an example in your character. The second issue we have is we don't like to make mistakes. But if I step out and lead, man, they're going to expect that I get it right. And Paul says to Timothy that everyone may see your progress. The expectation is not perfection, but it is progress. It's been said of leadership that leadership is really growing up in front of people and allowing them to see that. It's really about growing up in front, you know? That means coming back to your wife and to your husband saying... I just want to tell you the first 10 years of my marriage, our marriage, I did not love you the way I should. I'm just sorry. I want to tell you, last weekend when we were at the cabin, I was really insensitive in the time that we spent there. I'm sorry. With your kids coming to them and saying, man, like, like <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've had to do this. Many of you have to. I lost my temper. I was impatient. I was wrong. I'm sorry. I want to get better. I want to influence through progress. One of the main problems we have is we think we have to get it right before we can move. And you know this already, but I'm telling you, a good plan today, some of you heard me say this, a good plan today is better than a perfect plan tomorrow, right? Just start. Just go. Start something. Create. Who knows what will happen? I don't care how old or young or whatever you are, just Start. Don't allow the excuse that somebody else should do something about that. And here's why. Here's why. Because I believe this. That your influence, even in the smallest measure, can change the world. Now that sounds really big. Your influence, even in the smallest measure, can change the world. That almost sounds like I'm um, partaking in a beauty pageant or something like that. Like, I think we can change the world. Someone should do something about that, by the way. (laughs) But, I digress. Here's what I mean by that, and I'm really quite serious about this, because the world, okay, the world in my world and the world that my kids are growing up is largely defined by the choices that you are making right now. The choices that you make and how you raise your kids, how you date your girlfriend or boyfriend right now, what kind of family environment you create, the way that you run your business and how you employ people and the culture of your business and your organization impact me and my family. 
the world in which I live. The places I go to shop, which is almost nothing, but if I were to go shop somewhere, that would impact me, but my wife goes to shop. No, I'm just kidding. The places that I go for, for business, the places that I go uh, for worship, such as Grace Point, the way that my family interacts with the world around us, the people in our community, is impacted by your choices of how you interact with your family, with your spouse, with your fiancé, with your boyfriend or girlfriend, with your friends at school. The choices you make impact our world. And so your influence, even in the smallest measure, when you decide, Dad, when you see your son come home or your daughter come home, then you're like, I don't know what to say to them to help them make better decisions. I don't know what to say. But you decide to step up instead of stepping back. That decision changes them just even a little bit. And then they interact with my little kids. And the interaction is different because you said something and it changes the world in which we live. Your influence, even in the smallest measure, can change the world. Okay? Now, the question is, what do I do with this? Okay? What do I do with this? I just want to suggest two things for you. Number one, number one, how do I get engaged in this whole idea of influence? Number one, simple, be present. Be present. Yeah, that's great. Okay, I'm here. Now, what, now what, what next? Here's what I mean by that. Wherever you are, be there. Okay? Wherever you are, be there. Have you, ever, have you ever been listening to someone just to hear them stop talking? Like, yeah, it's great. You're done now? You're done now. Great, great. Yeah, I agree with you. I was, yep, yep, sure, yeah. No idea what you're saying, yeah. You ever do that with your spouse? That can be mildly dangerous, right? Wherever you are, be there. Be there completely. When, you're, when your kids are coming home from school, right, when you're about to head out on the date, be all there. Be present for your children. Be present with your husband. Be present with your spouse. When you're going to work and you're seeing on the job site people who are just being mistreated, be there. Be there on the job site on that moment. Don't be thinking about what I'm heading to do this weekend. Be there with the people you are interacting with. You may not even know their name, but when you are present and you are there, your influence can impact their world. It really can. Well, I don't even know the names of all the subcontractors I work for. Great. I don't either. Get to know them. What's your name? Okay. I brought some donuts this morning. brought some coffee. Be present where you are. Just the, the strength of presence alone is so powerful, even regardless of what else you say. The fact that you seem to actually care about where you are right now is so powerful for your influence. You don't even need to start a massive organization. You don't need to try to change world poverty. You need to do all that. But if you and I were just to start by being present in every situation where we are, being fully engaged where we are, the difference would be really amazing to see across the board. Across the board. Second thing is, be present and make progress. Make progress. Know that as you begin to think about, okay, what do I need to do as a, as a dad, as a, as a mom, um, as a child, as an employer, an employee in the business world, what do I need to do? Know that the expectation on you is not perfection, but it is progress. How do I grow? Where do I grow? And for some of you, you're like, oh, I don't think I could ever do that, and if only someone else would, then I would follow. And I just want to remind you, and I think you know this, that every time that you take a step back because you think someone else should step up, you're taking a step toward irrelevancy. If someone else can do what you're supposed to do, then why do we need you? See, we need you. We need you. We need your influence. We need your leadership. We need your service. We need that thing that's on your heart. We need that from you. We need your influence. 
your leadership. God has designed you this way. And whenever you step back because you think someone else should step up, you take a step closer to irrelevancy. Your influence, even in the smallest measure, can change the world in which you and I live. This picture of the dots that we began with, I believe, could represent everything that I'm trying to say this morning. For some of you, as you began this exercise and went down diagonally and then came across, you stopped because you thought there was a limit there. It's a false limit that doesn't exist. And for some of us, we think we're at the limit of our ability. You think, you think you're at the limit of your ability. You can, never, you can never tackle the issues you see in front of you. If you only knew, Tim, how bad things were at work, if you only knew what ha- would happen if I tried to Im- impact and influence my job site, if you only knew the fact that my background, how I've been raised, I'm doing my very best with my kids, but you don't know what it's like to, to be me. No, I don't. If you only knew what I had already tried to do in my marriage, if you only knew, and I'm at the limit of my ability, I can't do any more. If you only knew, I'm at, the, I'm at the limit of my influence. I really am. And I'm just telling you, just telling you, every time that we think, and somebody, somebody should do something about that. Like, and every time you think, I just wish things were different. I just wish they were different. Could it be that in that question, could it be that in that question, that we have a responsibility to be that somebody who should do something about that? Could it be that you are the somebody who should do something about that with your husband, with your wife, and with your kids, with your coworkers, with your employee, with your employers? Could it be? Could it be that the somebody who should do something about that is you and is me? Now, I don't know where this drops and lands for you, But my concern is this, that you grow old and you live with regret because at some point you thought you were at the limit of your ability and all you needed to do was keep the pen going a little bit further and then a whole new world would have opened up. And you'll look back with regret and say, man, I wish, I wish I would have tackled this earlier. And what kept me from getting there was I thought there was somebody better than me who should do it. And I thought I'd have to be perfect. And what we're saying is be present make progress. Your influence, even in the smallest measure, can change the world. Let's pray together. Our good God and Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the example that we see even with Paul and Timothy. An older man telling a younger man, command and teach these things. Have influence. Anticipating the pushback, being too young, too young to do this. I'm not qualified to do this. Someone else. And my plan won't be perfect. I'll make mistakes. Father, we live right up to the edge of our fear, and for some of us, we're just not really willing to cross that line of fear because we think someone else is better equipped to do that. Our husband is better equipped to handle the boys. Our wives are better handled, better equipped to handle the girls. Our boss can handle the problems, and you know our our uh, our friends can handle the others. But Father, what if you're telling us that we should be the someone who makes a difference that we know we need to see in our world? I pray that you give us the courage, Lord, to be present and to make progress. 
in the things that we see just in front of us. We pray this in Jesus' name.